Hello, my cherished friend. I hope you are well and that all of your challenges become rewards, that every endeavor attempted is a huge success, and all dilemmas are solved with the discovery of enlightened solutions. I'm Robert Crandall, and this is Short Stories, a production of adventuresinaudio.net. On this episode, a troubling listener nightmare and a story of suicide. Our listener nightmare was submitted by Adam, and he writes, In my nightmare, I was standing in the kitchen. A large pan of water was boiling, but there was no fire underneath it. Down the hall, I could hear the shower in the bathroom running, but no one was home but me. I ran down the hall, and when I entered the bathroom, I could see a large silhouette of a large man behind the shower curtain. He flung open the curtain and was fully clothed and bone dry. He was large and ominous. I turned and ran down the hall to the living room to escape out the front door. But there were three other men, just like him, blocking the door. Now the man from the bathroom was behind me. He grabbed one arm, and another man grabbed my other arm, and they drug me to the car and forced me into the back seat, each one on one side of me and the two the front. The car started, but the keys were in my pocket. We drove through town to the outskirts of town. The terrain became mountainous, but the nearest mountains are 200 miles away. Driving up a winding mountain road, we came to a chalet. I was forced out of the car there stood a large oak tree with a hangman's noose hanging from a large branch. The next thing I knew, the noose was around my neck, and a platform beneath me was removed. My body dropped, and the noose strangled me. The pain and the choking was intense. I'm frantically trying to remove the noose with my hands and struggling to breathe. When I woke up with my hands at my neck. Weeks later, I can sometimes feel scratchy feeling of a noose around my neck. Will that feeling ever go away? Wow, some nightmare. Thank you, Adam, for sending that in and you can send me your nightmare. I've set up a dedicated email, which is myhorribledream at gmail.com. Again, that's myhorribledream at gmail.com. Send me a nightmare. I would love to read it on a future episode. 
Our feature story is about suicide, a very unsettling subject for me. I saw a thread which was discussing bullet wounds to the head, and it asked if you shoot yourself in the head, do you die instantly? Well, apparently not. The heart is still beating, and great suffering and severe agony take place. This is disturbing to me because a friend of mine shot himself in the head on a double date, had an argument with his girlfriend, somehow got a hold of gun, and shot himself right there in the car. Can you imagine such a thing? It'd be a double date you would never forget. In this story, a character commits suicide in a way that would cause just as much suffering. It's gruesome. Let's listen now to Zimper Edom by Jack London. Dr. Bicknell was in a remarkably gracious mood. Through a minor accident, a slight bit of carelessness, that was all. A man who might have pulled through had died the preceding night, though it had been only a sailorman, one of the innumerable unwashed. The steward of the receiving hospital had been on the anxious seat all morning. It was not that the man had died that gave him discomfort. He knew the doctor too well for that. But his distress lay in the fact that the operation had been done so well, one of the most delicate in surgery. It had been as successful as it was clever and audacious, and all had then depended upon the treatment, the nurses, the steward, and the man had died. Nothing much, a bit of carelessness, yet enough to bring the professional wrath of Dr. Bicknell about his ears and to perturb the working of the staff and nurses for 24 hours to come. But, as already stated, the doctor was in a remarkably gracious mood. When informed by the steward in fear and trembling of the man's unexpected takeoff, his lips did not so much as form one syllable of censure. Nay, they were so pursed that snatches of ragtime floated softly from them, to be broken only by a pleasant query after the health of the other's eldest born. The steward, deeming it impossible that he could have caught the gist of the case, repeated it. Yes, yes. Dr. Bicknell said impatiently, I understand, but how about Zemper Edom? Is he ready to leave? Yes, they're helping him dress now, the steward answered, passing on to the round of his duties, content 
that peace still reigned within the iodine-saturated walls. It was Zimper Edom's recovery which had so fully compensated Dr. Bicknell for the loss of the sailor man. Lives were to him as nothing, the unpleasant but inevitable incidents of the profession. But cases, ah, cases, were everything. People who knew him were prone to brand him a butcher. But his colleagues were at one in the belief that a bolder and yet a more capable man never stood over the table. He was not an imaginative man. He did not possess and hence had no tolerance for emotion. His nature was accurate, precise, scientific. Men were to him no more than pawns, without individuality or personal value. But as cases, it was different. The more broken a man was, the more precarious his grip on life, the greater his significance in the eyes of Dr. Bicknell. He would as readily forsake a poet laureate suffering from a common accident for a nameless, mangled vagrant who defied every law of life by refusing to die, as would a child forsake a Punch and Judy for a circus. So it had been in the case of Zimper Edom. The mystery of the man had not appealed to him, nor had his silence and the veiled romance which the yellow reporters had so sensationally and so fruitlessly exploited in divers' Sunday editions. But Zimper Edom's throat had been cut. That was the point. That was where his interest had centered. Cut from ear to ear, and not one surgeon in a thousand to give a snap of the fingers for his chance of recovery. But, thanks to the swift municipal ambulance service, and to Dr. Bicknell, he had been dragged back into the world he had sought to leave. The doctor's co-workers had shaken their heads when the case was brought in. M. Possible, they said. Throat, windpipe, jugular, all but actually severed, and the loss of blood frightful. As it was such a foregone conclusion, Dr. Bicknell had employed methods and done things which made them, even in their professional capacities, shudder. And lo, the man had recovered. So, on this morning, that Zimper Edom was to leave the hospital, hale and hearty, Dr. Bicknell's geniality was in no wise disturbed by the steward's report, and he proceeded cheerfully to bring order out of chaos of a child's body, which had been ground and crunched beneath the wheels of an electric car. As many will remember, the case of Zemper Edom aroused a vast deal of unseemly yet highly natural curiosity. He had been found in a slum lodging, with throat cut, as aforementioned, and blood dripping down upon the inmates of the room below and disturbing their festivities. He had evidently done the deed standing with head bowed forward, 
that he might gaze his last upon a photograph which stood on the table, propped against a candlestick. It was this attitude which had made it possible for Dr. Bicknell to save him. So terrific had been the sweep of the razor, that had he had his head thrown back, as he should have done to have accomplished the act properly, with his neck stretched and the elastic vascular walls distended, he would have of a certainty well-nigh decapitated himself. At the hospital during all the time he traveled the repugnant road back to life, not a word had left his lips, nor could anything be learned of him by the sleuths detailed by the chief of police. Nobody knew him, nor had ever seen or heard of him. He was strictly and uniquely of the present. His clothes and surroundings were those of the lowest laborer, his hands the hands of a gentleman. But not a shred of writing was discovered, nothing save in one particular which would serve to indicate his past or his position in life. And that one particular was the photograph. If it were at all a likeness, the woman who gazed frankly out upon the onlooker from the card mount must have been a striking creature indeed. It was an amateur production, for the detectives were baffled in that no professional photographer's signature or studio was appended. Across a corner of the mount, in delicate feminine tracery, was written, Zemper Edom, Zemper Fidelis, and she looked it. As many recollect, it was a face one could never forget. Clever half-tones remarkably like were published in all the leading papers at the time, but such procedure gave rise to nothing but the uncontrollable public curiosity and interminable copy to space writers. For want of a better name, the rescued suicide was known to the hospital attendants and to the world as Zemper Edom, and Zemper Edom he remained. Reporters, detectives, and nurses gave him up in despair. Not one word could he be persuaded to utter, yet the flitting conscious light of his eyes showed that his ears heard and his brain grasped every question put to him. But this mystery and romance played no part in Dr. Bicknell's interest when he paused in the office to have a parting word with his patient. He, the doctor, had performed a prodigy in the matter of this man, done what was virtually unprecedented in the annals of surgery. He did not care who or what the man was, and it was highly improbable that he should ever see him again. But like the artist gazing upon a finished creation, he wished to look for the last time upon the work of his hand and brain. Zemper Edom still remained moot. He seemed anxious to be gone. Not a word could the doctor extract from him, and little the doctor cared. He examined the throat of the convalescent carefully, idling over the hideous scar with a lingering, half-caressing fondness of a parent. 
it was not a particularly pleasing sight. An angry line circled the throat, for all the world as though the man had just escaped the hangman's noose, and disappearing below the ear on either side, had the appearance of completing the fiery periphery at the nape of the neck. Maintaining his dogged silence, yielding to the other's examination in much the manner of a leashed lion, Zimper Edom betrayed only his desire to drop out of the public eye. Well, I'll not keep you, said Dr. Bicknell finally, laying a hand on the man's shoulder and stealing a last glance at his own handiwork. But let me give you a bit of advice. Next time you try it on, hold your chin up so. Don't snuggle it down and butcher yourself like a cow. Neatness and dispatch, you know. Neatness and dispatch. Zemper Edom's eyes flashed in token that he heard, and a moment later the hospital door swung to on his heel. It was a busy day for Dr. Bicknell, and the afternoon was well along when he lighted a cigar preparatory to leaving the table upon which it seemed the sufferers almost clamored to be laid. But the last one, an old rag picker with a broken shoulder blade, had been disposed of, and the first fragment smoke wreaths had begun to curl about his head when the gong of a hurrying ambulance came through the open window from the street, followed by the inevitable entry of the stretcher with its ghastly freight. Lay it on the table, the doctor directed, turning for a moment to place his cigar in safety. What is it? Suicide, throat cut, responded one of the stretcher bearers. Down on Morgan Alley. Little hope, I think, sir. He's most gone. Ah, well, I'll give him a look anyway. He leaned over the man at the moment when the quick made its last faint flutter and succumbed. It's Zimper Edom come back again, the steward said. Ah, replied Dr. Bicknell, and gone again. No bungling this time. Properly done, upon my life, sir, properly done. Took my advice to the letter. I'm not required here. Take it along to the morgue. Dr. Bicknell secured his cigar and relighted it. That, he said between puffs, looking at the steward, that evens up for the one you lost last night. We're quits now. You've been listening to Zemper Edom by Jack London and A Listener Nightmare sent in by Adam. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone. I've enjoyed being with you, but now I must leave. I hope to be with you again soon. Please take care and be safe. Thank you.